Hey there, thanks for visiting the podcast of the Guelph Vineyard Church. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast using whatever platform you listen on, or visit our website at guelphvineyard.com. Here's this week's message brought to you by our pastor, Chris McQueen. Let me pray, and then we're going to jump into this morning's uh, reflection. Lord, we thank you for, uh, thank you for who you are. We ask for your hand uh, just to rest on our minds, on our spirits. God, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would speak through this time. We really need you in meaningful ways, Lord. We don't just need a new good idea or something. We actually need your spirit to lead us. Uh, We need your spirit to be that provision that you promised to us. Um, and so we say, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. We want to hear your voice. So last, last week, I think, no, not everyone was on the call. Not everyone was, was able to join us last, last Sunday. So last Sunday, we spent some time talking about a practice, a prayer practice called the examine. And the examine, as we talked about last week, has these five movements. And it's a prayer. It's, it, it's, a, it's a prayer practice. Um, it's a way of, of, of kind of being self-revealing to ourselves. What's going on in our lives? How are we feeling? And inviting the Lord into that space. Um, and, uh, and so what I want to do... Um, for the next little while is actually just take a bit of time with each of those movements. Because I talked about last week, I talked about there being certain assumptions that that um, that inform these, right? So the first of those movements of the examine practice, prayer practice, is the practice of stillness. It's, it's of creating um, some measure of stillness and then anticipating that we're going to encounter God there. Right, and so the assumption that underlies that is that God is actually present, and when we stop, uh, we're going to discover that He's right there. That it's that 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 the presence of the Lord is is not at the end of the journey, isn't something we have to chase after or make happen or or you know, generate or conjure or any of those things. But the assumption is that in stillness, in stopping, that the Lord is there. Um, and so that, you know, um, and again, if we were going to go through the examine again, which we'll actually, we are going to do a quick examine at the end of each of these, uh, just because it's, it's a practice that I actually want you to do. I actually want to encourage you to do this because I think it's genuinely helpful. Um, for just about every human that I can imagine and every kind of personality that I can imagine. Um, you know, and so, for example, next week we're going to, um, well, not next week, I guess, the week following, we're going to look at uh, uh, thankfulness and what the assumptions are that are there and just kind of really spend some time there. All right, so that's going to kind of give us some shape for a little while. Um, so this week I had an interesting moment of longing and of course we've talked about this i mean in this strange time that we're in uh, it still feels strange even though we're over a year into it 
um, you know, I don't know your experience. Every now and then I have a new experience of longing, something that I miss that I haven't experienced in too long, right? Um, perhaps you know what I'm talking about. I, I believe probably that you all do. And so I was walking to get bread uh, from our bakery just up the road. And as I was walking, I had this strange um, well, I was thinking about the creative festival that's coming up. I was thinking about art and creativity. And all of a sudden, I had this longing to go to the AGO and just stand in front of a painting for an hour. <laughs> I just wanted to stand in front of a real live piece of art and just take it in, in, a, in a quiet place with good lighting and, you know, I just, I, I realized it's been over a year since I've been in a gallery. It's been over a year since I've been in front of, 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 a, of an unfamiliar piece of art. And it was strange. It was this, it was this yearning, right? To be present to something creative, not just via a screen, right? And so uh, I was thinking about that. And then that kind of brought me back to this memory it's it's my my favorite um experience so far with uh with art with a painting and this is gonna we're going somewhere with this at least my intent is that we're going somewhere with this um so a number of years ago uh about four years ago i found myself in new york city for the first time I was there with uh, with my good friend Andy Wood, who pastors uh, the Winnipeg Centre Vineyard. Um, we were we'd been attending a, a theological uh, conference uh, close by, and we decided to take a few days together and just hang out in New York. You know, a couple of lads on the town, right? And um, what a great experience! And um, and so you know we we found ourselves we went to the we went to the gallery there right we went to moma um and uh um and we went there with a really specific purpose we did some research now you have to know that that is a world-class facility with some of the most famous paintings in the world in that place but we knew exactly what we wanted to see and we knew that the opportunity to see it um, up close and personal was not very likely because it's a very famous piece of art. And so what we did was we researched, we found out what floor it was on. We found out precisely what time the gallery opened. We got in line and we hightailed it we sprinted we ran we um we wanted to get there just as soon as we possibly could and so we went if i'm if my memory serves me and it may not <laughs> to be honest with you but if my memory serves me it was on the eighth floor maybe there's not eight floors but somehow that's the thing that rings in my head and we start looking we start looking for this piece and suddenly we come across it and this is the piece that we saw. Now, how many of you recognize this painting right here? It is um, 
I can tell you it is absolutely one of the most beautiful paintings. It's certainly the, I would say, uh, arguably the most famous modern uh, uh, painting in, in kind of modern times, Starry, Starry Night by Vincent van Gogh. Um, this thing m moves and breathes and is everywhere. There's, this is, you know, this is a very, very famous image. And what was so wonderful and so powerful was that Andy and I, we got to, and I, I have to say, uh, Andy, myself, and a guard <laughs> um, got to stand together in front of that painting. And there was nobody else around. We were the first ones there. There was no one else, even on the floor, as far as I can recall. But it was just the two of us in front of this priceless painting. And we just stood there. We took it in. We got really, really close. I got, I, I got inches away from it. And I looked and I saw, um, I saw things there. Um, I saw that there are parts of the canvas that are not painted. You can you can see the color of the canvas. Part of part of Van Gogh's painting technique was that there was negative space. You don't you don't see that in photographs. You don't see that there's that there's negative space. But there are parts where you can see the actual canvas coming through. The paint is not nearly as thick as you might assume in parts. Things that I'd never seen before. And it was it was it was a spacious moment. It was a precious moment and I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for it. Um, you know, so the question then becomes, well, Chris, that's a great story. And it is a great story. It was a great, a great experience. But what does this have to do with anything? Well, there was something about that experience for me that seems to correlate in my own experience with, with, the, with the word stillness. Um, and of course, that's the first movement of, of the examine that we're talking about, stillness. And, and the, the interesting thing is that stillness, I think we actually have a more complicated relationship with that word than we think we do. Um, first of all, if I was to tell you to find a moment of stillness every day, um, and I'm not going to do this, um, but I'm going to assume that I have the right read on this. And if I, if I don't and I'm fundamentally wrong, you can let me know. I think that some of us might say, I don't really have the ability to have stillness in my life. I, you know, the kids are, are, are crazy. Work is raging. There's always something that's going on. I, there's just no space. You talk about stillness, but I don't, I, you know. How do, how do I do that? Um, and, uh, and I've been pondering that because I've had that conversation with other people, particularly people with young kids. And, um, and I've been pondering that, that stillness thing and the absence of it, the lack of it, how hard it can be. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure that that's not quite right. I'm pretty sure that stillness is something that can be practiced and it can be available to us in, in some form or other every day. Uh, most of us have the ability to sleep at least a, a number of hours every night. And that often takes place in, in with there being at least a moment of stillness, at least a moment of where there can be a reflection. Um, 
But I want to make sure we're talking about, you know, that we're thinking about the same thing when we think about stillness. When we talk about, I'm going to create a moment of stillness. What are we talking about? Um, and so I, I want to invite something here. And we can do this via chat or you can unmute and respond. This I, I, I don't mean for this to be a rhetorical question. Um, so, uh, and I actually, let me see if I can pull this up real quick. I'm not sure. I, right now I don't have the... Uh, Facebook comments coming up, and I'm going to see if I can just quickly access them. Probably I can, so I can see if there's any any feedback on on Facebook. But here's I want us to do a little a little creative exercise. Um, I want you to paraphrase a a, a statement for me, and uh, it's not going to let me in. So I can't I can't see you on Facebook. If you comment, I'll look after. Um, <clears throat> I want you to paraphrase. And basically what I want you to do is I want you to restate this simple sentence without using the word still. Okay. The night was still. I just want to encourage you, paraphrase that. And again, you can either just put that in the, in the chat or you can unmute. So I see uh, someone here has said... Um, the night was quiet. So it's two for the night was quiet. The night was calm. Let's keep them coming. The night was deep in velvet. Nice. The night was unmoving. Peaceful. The night was peaceful. That's good. Anything else? We'll just give we'll just give a couple more seconds if there are any other thoughts. There's no right or wrong answers here. That empty silence enveloped the night, says says the published author. The night was reflective. Yeah, it's good. You can keep dropping them in if you have other thoughts, but yeah, it's just want to invite us into these different ideas of what comes to mind when we think of, of stillness. The night was silent. The kids were asleep. <laughs> That's great. Um, <clears throat> I have a suspicion. Oh, that's a good one. Darkness. The night was in darkness. I have a suspicion. I think that most of us, and if you're not this person, that's fine, uh, are a little bit unsettled with stillness. We're not comfortable with stillness. I think that maybe even some of us, I'm going to speak for myself and just assume that I'm not in the wrong room, that some of us are actually a little bit afraid of, of stillness. Um, I measure that by how quickly I work to distract myself when I have a moment of one of these things, a moment of stillness. How often do I flip on my computer, turn on my phone, go to grab the next Netflix show, even grab a book? Things that kind of pull me out of a moment into another moment. That is, that is something that I 
um, I've been increasingly aware of. And, and I, and I, I think it's a, I think it's a socially constructed condition. I think that if you don't struggle with that, you are out of the ordinary, right? That you're in the, um, uh, yeah, that you're on the, on the edge of, of, of that. And I commend that. Um, so I've been asking the question, why, why do we sometimes run from stillness? Why do I run from stillness? Um, I think, you know, and, and so maybe there are different, maybe you have some answers to that. Um, but the scriptures also reflect to us a complicated relationship with stillness. The scriptures also reflect to us a time in which stillness is not easily practiced. And of course, trying to manufacture stillness is sort of a fun thing to do, right? Because of the way our brains can be wired, it's like, okay, everybody, on the count of three, don't think about a chair, right? Like, we're all, as soon as you say the word, you're gonna, you're gonna start to conjure what it means to not think about a chair. And as soon as you say it, right, you've, it, it, there's a self defeating element in it. Stillness is kind of like that. If we try to create stillness, we can, by the way, I believe, but it's challenging. Um, so I want to just look at a couple of passages in scripture that talk about stillness in particular ways and see if maybe there's not something there for us um, that, that might be helpful in giving some shape to this. Uh, let's see if this will work here. Yes, it does. So this is First Kings. This is a story about the prophet Elijah. You guys, we've looked at this before. We'll look at it again. It's a very famous passage. Um, Elijah has just had a massive triumph. Um, he's moved in extraordinary power. Um, he has shown up all of the false prophets in the land. And basically, um, he's had a really, he's had a moment of, of kind of awesomeness, right? He's experienced a lot of power, been the conduit of a lot of power, um, literally fire falling from the sky. And, uh, and, and then there's a, a um, basically a death warrant that goes out on his life and he gets very, very afraid and he runs and he runs and he runs and he runs and he runs. He runs for 40 days and for 40 nights. He flees and he says, I'm something to the effect of I am as good as dead. Take me anyway. Right. Like he's just it's, it's a strange moment. You want to talk about a man who's in the midst of much anxiety, we can look at, an, at Elijah in this. Um, interestingly, after a massive win, um, but that's not what we're going to focus on so much today. I want to pick up um, our reading in what happens um, after 40 days and 40 nights of, of running. Um, he, uh, here we go. So he, being Elijah, got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled for 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now you can read that with whatever tonality you want to. But I, you know, what are you, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
Elijah replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And you guys probably, we could probably almost say this off, off by heart. If we wouldn't get the language right, we'd get the, we'd get the idea right. A great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. This is going to sound familiar. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? This is also going to seem very familiar. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. Now I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. And there were some other specific instructions as well, but we're just going to pause there. So on the, on the surface of this, there's a lot of obvious things that we can recognize about, about the stillness, about, about the, the whispering voice of God. And, you know, yes, the reality that God was not in the, the big shaky things and, and, but, but that he was in the quiet place, right? And so we can, we can look at that and, and kind of extrapolate and say, okay, well, we need to, you know, we need to get away from this looking for God in the, in the thunder and in the, in the lightning and in the big shaky things and, and kind of find him in the quiet spaces. And I, that's reasonable. That's reasonable. Um, but, but I want to just think for a second about the kind of stillness that Elijah is surrounded in right now. In what context does the stillness show up for Elijah? Um, for Elijah in this moment, his stillness is is not one of of like being um, like he's not a, he's not coming across here like a Zen master or something, right? He's not coming across as a spiritual guru. Right, someone sitting on a mountaintop, you know, cross-legged, and you know, whatever. That's a different religion, but you, you know, we kind of have this idea of what it means to be a spiritual person practicing stillness, and we probably start, you know, if your imagination is anything like mine, has been formed by any of things that are common. We might have this idea of almost a Zen-like experience, but what we actually find is. We find we find that Elijah is at a is is at a, he's he's absolutely frightened. 
he's absolutely running and into this space the lord says what are you doing here and elijah gives him an answer and then there's this object lesson and see the way that i prefer to write stories of transformation i prefer that it looks like something dramatic takes place and that there's a transformation that's very clear and observable i prefer it that way i like you know, I like that Peter Parker got bitten by a spider and then became Spider-Man, right? Like Peter Parker getting bitten by a spider and then becoming Peter Parker is not that interesting a story to me, right? I like, I like things to be dramatic. And one of the really interesting things, if you look at this moment of encounter where Elijah has just, first of all, you know, these three characteristics that, you know, the, the inferences that we would expect to find God in, like wind that tears mountains apart, like that's that's a stiff breeze, you know. Um, like there's there's he's had a, a, a deep religious experience, deeply a, a deep experience of encounter, and then he hears God in the gentle whisper, and he hears his voice say the same thing he'd perceived before. Elijah, what are you doing here? And I, I looked at this the response so the question that the lord asks is exactly the same before and after the experience the encounter and the answer that elijah gives is exactly the same answer he's not suddenly empowered and suddenly fixed and suddenly full of whatever we want to see in our heroes something different has happened it's way more subtle it's way more subtle. The difference is that the Lord responds differently after that. The Lord leads, you know, there's this, there's this movement, and then he steps back into his purpose. He, he's, he's in, in the stillness, he's encountered God, but in the stillness, he's also actually been honest with himself about his own fears, about his own kind of hubris even his own sense of 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 like who he's not to himself um he's confronted something in the stillness it's not it's it's not this um spiritual high it's something that's actually a lot deeper and a lot more frightening and i think a lot i think that the experience that elijah has in that moment is often the thing that maybe we're trying to avoid when we're trying to avoid stillness when we're trying to fill the void with things that can maybe get our mind off of what the void is going to reveal to us. What we're going to see when we actually stop and take a look. Because there's an encounter that, that Elijah has with the Lord, but there's also an encounter with his own reality that he sees, that he's forced to stop and see. It's this sort of thing you know and it was a beautiful experience but i when i took that time with the with with this with starry night and actually with an undistracted space and close proximity observed it i saw things that i couldn't see before i saw things that that couldn't be seen any other way and so i could say like you oh i know that i know that image i've seen that image no you haven't you've never unless you maybe you have maybe you've been to the same spot so if that's the case then you have but if you haven't if you've never stood in front of the original you've never seen it you've only seen facsimiles 
You've only seen other people's representations and all of those, even the images that I pulled up, it has a filter on it. I can tell you because if you look at, if you Google it and you look at the different images that come up for Starry Night, you can see all of the tones are slightly different. The colors are different because they're treated, right? We need the stillness, the invitation of the Lord to us to encounter him in stillness has so much to do with actually stepping into reality and taking a close look at what's really going on. Not through other filters, but through the filter of reality, what the Lord is doing, and believing that God will encounter us in that space, not on the other side of the doing, not on the other side of the fixing. And so that still thing, that's important. I'm going to read another passage of scripture. This is from Psalm 46. This is also a very famous psalm, very famous passage of scripture. It also speaks of stillness. Interestingly, um, we don't know when this was written, but very uh, reasonably within possibly a couple of decades of, of Elijah's experience. Um, certainly, uh, this, is, this is probably much later than David. David did not write this psalm. He's not, he's not credited with the psalm. Um, and this probably took place uh, about 150, 200 years after David. So right, right around the time of Elijah, um, which is just interesting. Oh, that's good. I just saw that comment from Liv. Yeah, the human tendency to want a miracle instead of encountering God in the ordinary. Yeah, yeah. Here's Psalm 46. God, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Does that not sound familiar in terms of language? Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts, which sounds very cataclysmic, but I'm thinking candle as I think of that. The Lord Almighty is with us. The, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow, he shatters the spear, he burns the shields with fire, and he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You know, this is an often quoted passage. Be still and know that I am God. Um, it's usually out of context, which is, in this case, that's kind of okay. It's kind of a, a massive context. But what's interesting is that this psalm not unlike Elijah's story, is written, written in distress, in times of trouble. Written in times of uncertainty. And in that place, the Lord does, you know, the call here is not to 
get her done and to, you know, pick up your shield and do your battles. And the, it's, it's the call in this, at least in this particular passage, the call is into stillness and knowing. But again, if we're not careful, we can see the stillness that's represented here as, as almost an escape. Like, here are my problems. I'm going to let them go. I'm going to put them out of my mind. I'm going to be still and just trust God for that. Now, there's a place for that, too. You know, the kind of letting go of our worries in the presence of God, for sure there is. But there's also a reckoning. This psalm, Psalm 46, not unlike Elijah, is listing you know, it's, it's, it's hopeful, but it's, listing, it's, it's actually listing the realities that are trying and difficult in anticipating the move of God in those things. And then there's a letting go of our own capacity to make it and affect it, right? But again, the underlying assumption is that when I stop, I can, I can discover that God is present. And when I stare down reality, I can expect that God is present. I can assume that. Both of these passages are trial under fire. And just as a side of note of biblical interest, I have no idea which of these were written first, but I bet you one had the other in mind whether Elijah had in mind this psalm in his experience or whether the psalmist had heard of Elijah's experience and had it in mind. There's just so much common language. There's mutual influence that's taking place. I just think that that's really interesting. So I, I, we're going to finish this with just two questions and then we're going to do a quick, and it will be quick examine practice. Um, so what happens to you when you try to be still? And you don't have to answer this. Can, this can be a rhetorical question, but I just want you to consider it for a second. What is that experience like when you try to be still? So if, if you hear the message and you go, okay, I'm going to practice stillness at some point in the next 10 hours. 12 hours. I'm going to practice stillness. What do you anticipate that, that experience is going to be like? Do you anticipate the words that we grabbed at when we were reinterpreting the night was still, the night is still peaceful. Let's just look at some of these here. Silent, reflective, uninterrupted peaceful, calm, right? Are those, is that what we expect to encounter? Or will it be something a little bit more angsty than that? Will our experience of stillness be, I have to actually think thought that I've been trying not to think all day? Is that what stillness might mean? We need to, we need to, Grieve the thing we've been trying to avoid all day. Because here's the one thing that stillness will not be. Stillness will not be escape. 
We desperately need the Lord in stillness, you guys. I believe that's one of the reasons why we run from it, because we actually need God in the stillness. We need him. Because it's not an escape. If you're anything like me, it's actually a, 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 a bearing down in stillness of things I've been trying not to think about. <laughs> and so I don't want to present this in some guru type mentality of we're all going to become spiritual aesthetic, you know, like that's not the word I'm looking for anyway, but we're just going to become these spiritual creatures who go to our happy place whenever we hit quiet. Now it's more complicated than that. Nikki is saying silence is hard work. That's absolutely true. So that's the first thing. And then the next question, and again, this is something just to think about. What do you anticipate stillness will bring in your life? What does stillness prepare us for? Now, I don't have the answers to this, how you interpret and understand. I think that Elijah, Elijah's story and the hopefulness of Psalm 46, the two passages we've, we've reflected on, I think that there's something in there for all of us. I believe that. But what does that look like? For Elijah, it did look like a recentering and he gained capacity. That is what happened with Elijah because he, he got woven back into his own story again. But just ask the question, and that's part of our prayer. And maybe that's it. Maybe part of the stillness is less of a spiritual experience, although maybe it is. But maybe it's a place where we actually look at reality for a second, the thing we've been trying not to th not to see. And the Lord, we recognize we're going to be okay. Maybe that's what the stillness brings. Right? But what do you expect it's going to bring into your life? Yeah, see, productive and rest. Yeah. And so, just just ways to be thoughtful, ways to be present, right? Because stillness, at the end of the day, if we're doing it right, which is a weird way to, that's a weird thing to say. And, and I could say that wrong about a hundred different ways and say it right, maybe one way. Um, but um, uh, if, we're, if we're doing it right, we're taking a good look at something. We're being present. It's, it, we're, we're showing up to the moment in a quiet time, in a still space. Even if it's just before you go to bed. By the way, that is acceptable. Still practicing, a, a spiritual practice of stillness, as you go to sleep, you're not cheating. Okay, it doesn't have to be with a candle lit somewhere. Yeah, um, intentional stillness means choosing to be still in order to just be in the presence of thoughts and feelings so that they do not unexpectedly overwhelm us. That is really good. That is a really insightful thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's an, yeah, the intentional stillness component as well. That's really good language, Andrea. Because that's the invitation, right? Okay. So here we go. We're going to close out this morning um, by, again, doing we're going to move through these uh, five motions and we're going to do them fairly quickly. We might give like 10 to 15 seconds for each. 
because there doesn't have to be a, a 10 minute process here and just kind of do this examine thing, which is going to invite us into our experience of the last, let's say the last three hours, say today, this morning, as we reflect on these things. And we're going to close out, uh, we're going to say the Lord's Prayer, and then we're going to end the live stream. And so, um, uh, so bless you, um, uh, particularly um, if you're not able to stay on the Zoom call or if you're tuning in some other place. Um, and, and a reminder again that uh, you want to look for the link on our Facebook page uh, and particularly in the email, e-news, for next week's link to the National Service. So just quickly wanted to say that as a reminder as well. All right. A few minutes of examine. Lord, we invite you into this moment. And however we can, Lord, we just want to create a stillness and recognize that you are present here with no conjuring. God, you are here and we are with you. I just want to take a moment and identify anything, big or small, anything, one or many, that we can put in our gratitude column of life. It can be as general as the sunshine, as specific as the email that lifted your spirits this morning. Whatever. Lord, we are creatures who experience the world around us in our hearts. We experience it in our emotions. God, this is how we feel. Just invite you just to honestly reflect to the Lord. I feel like this. I feel like blank right now, this morning. In our events, most of them are not neutral. Most of the events that we encounter, the conversations that we have, um, either give us a gift or take something from us. They're either a deposit or a withdrawal. And so we just want to allow you, Lord, right now to just be with us in those moments of joy and sorrow. And, and God, if there's one that you highlight, just want to just ask you about that. Where, what do you have to say to us? in our actual experiences of life.
and Lord, we are not a people without a trajectory. We are not a people without a future. And we are certainly not people who have an empty future, empty of hope. So God, we ask that as we contemplate this afternoon, as we contemplate the things that are going to happen, that we we don't even know how to anticipate them. But Lord, we uh, we ask that you would train our our hope and our anticipation and our eyes to your purposes, to your movement, to your work in and around us this afternoon. Thank you, Lord, that you're not just about eternity, but you're also about um, what is we, you're also about what is immediately down the road. Thank you for that, Jesus. So we'll close out with the Lord's prayer. I don't have I don't have the uh, text to bring up on the screen because I forgot to, but I'm sure you know it. And if you don't, that's okay. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Wow. Bless you guys. We'll see you next week. <laughs>